Chapter 21 of Titus, A Comrade of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brian Middleton. Titus, A Comrade of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter 21. Titus had passed more than a week in his dungeon, when one morning he was roused from an uneasy slumber by the entrance of a guard of Roman soldiers. These commanded him to come forth, then marched him rapidly and silently through the streets till they reached the palace of the governor. Passing through the great entrance, which was heavily guarded, they found themselves in the praetorium or judgment hall. Titus glanced hastily around, then his head sank upon his breast. In that brief survey, he had seen that the great hall was thronged with people, and that seated high aloft, in an imposing state, was a man whom he at once divined to be Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. For a moment he almost forgot his surroundings in the maze of confused and fearful thoughts which thronged his brain. Again aroused by the suppressed but fierce murmur of excitement around him, he looked up and saw the imposing figure of Barabbas. Heavily manacled and guarded by four soldiers, he stood forth in the sight of all, in a slightly elevated space immediately before the judgment seat. Thou art accused of having incited an insurrection against the government on the evening of Adar the twenty-seventh, and of having committed murder, in that thou didst, with thine own hands, feloniously slay certain soldiers of the Roman guard, who were in lawful fulfillment of their duty. Hast thou ought to say for thyself? Who are my accusers? Let them stand forth, said Barabbas, boldly, looking at the governor with unflinching eyes. Produce the witnesses, said Pilate shortly. Several men now advanced to the front, among whom Titus was amazed to recognize Gestus. The testimony practically agreed that the prisoner was, on the night mentioned, engaged in feloniously plotting against the government, and that he was personally responsible for the death of an unknown number of Roman soldiers who were slain in the conflict. "'What sayest thou to the testimony of these witnesses?' asked Pilate. "'Is there any reason why I should not presently inflict upon thee the just penalty of thy misdeeds? "'What were these mine accusers doing on the night of Adar the twenty-seventh? demanded Brabus with a scornful smile. That concerns thee not, replied Pilate sternly. Speak for thyself now, if thou wilt, or hold thy peace while I pronounce sentence upon thee. I will say this, said Brabus, knowing that his case was hopeless, that I only regret that we accomplished not our purpose, which was to rend the golden eagle from the temple of Jehovah, and, furthermore, if the Romans, which desecrate the holy city of Jerusalem, were possessed of one single neck, I would gladly hew it asunder with my sword, that the land might be rid of an abomination which rises to heaven. This incendiary speech was received with a storm of hisses from the Romans, and an irrepressible murmur of applause from the Jews who were present. The face of Pilate paled, and his voice trembled with rage as he said, out of thine own mouth thou art condemned. It only remaineth for me to pass sentence upon thee. 
Thou shalt be nailed to the cross on Friday, the fifteenth day of Nisan next, and remain thereon till life be extinct. Thou shalt also be scourged upon being removed from my presence, and again before the execution taketh place. Then turning to the guard, he commanded them to remove the prisoner. Titus was sick and faint at these fearful words, but Barabbas, apparently unmoved, passed from the presence of the governor with as lofty and undaunted a front as he had worn on the night of the riot. Then followed the examination of a number of witnesses against forty or fifty of the insurgents. These had been seized by the soldiers as they fled after the capture of Barabbas. Pilate disposed of their case very quickly, sentencing them, one and all, to a heavy scourging and a night in the stocks. After these had been removed for the infliction of their sentence, Pilate consulted for a few moments with the officials who surrounded him. Then he said in a loud voice, Let the other prisoners be brought forward. Titus was now roughly pushed to the space in front of the judgment seat, and lifting his eyes he saw standing beside him the familiar figure of Dumachus. The two stared at each other in mutual surprise. Then Dumachus smiled and the smile was an evil thing to see. Prisoners, said Pilate, ye are accused of three crimes, highway robbery, murder, and rioting. Let the witnesses against you testify, then ye shall speak for yourselves. The first witness was the identical Samaritan wine merchant whose vintage Dumachus had so highly praised. He deposed that in his journey from Samaria to Jerusalem, he had been set on by thieves who had stripped him of his possessions, consisting of certain skins of choice wine which he was conveying to the Jerusalem market, and even of his clothing. That, after beating him and subjecting him to various indignities, they had left him lying half dead by the roadside. He had subsequently been rescued and cared for by one of his own countrymen who happened to be journeying that way. He recognized the prisoners at the bar as members of the band which had thus feloniously assaulted him. The next witness swore to having seen the prisoners at the wine-shop of Clopas on the night of the riot, and afterward in the company of Barabbas at the time of the encounter with the Roman guard. Then the centurion who had captured Titus recounted the circumstances of his arrest and also stated that the prisoner had confessed that he had taken part in the riot. The last witness to be brought forward was Gestus. He carefully avoided the eye of Dumachus as he stood forth, and stared stoically at the governor in his ivory chair of state. "'What sayest thou concerning the prisoners?' asked Pilate. Gestus looked down upon the ground, then, rolled his eyes uneasily at the guard which stood near the prisoners. He seemed to feel this murderous look with which Dumachus was eyeing him. At length he began to speak in a low, hoarse voice. I was promised that if I told all, I myself should escape. Is it so, Excellency? Thou shalt escape even as was told thee. Speak on, said Pilate impatiently. Well, then, continued the man, Dumachus, yonder, was chief of our band. There were twenty of us in all, but about a dozen did most of the business. 
we had our headquarters in Capernaum, but put in most of our work on the great highways leading to Jerusalem, where there is always plenty of plunder for the taking. We took much booty, and disposed of our prisoners as seemed best at the time. Many we allowed to go free, but if any made outcry or disturbance, our chief commanded them to be put to death as quickly and quietly as possible. How many did you so dispose of? questioned Pilate. The man scratched his head reflexively, then replied, I do not rightly know, Excellency. We never counted them. Was this young man a member of the band? asked Pilate, indicating Titus with a motion of his hand. He was until lately, Excellency. He is called Titus, and was known as the son of our chief, but twas thought of by all of us that he was stolen in his infancy, and was therefore of no kin to Dumicus. As a member of the band, took he part in the robbery and murder of which thou hast spoken? The man hesitated for a moment, and said, He was a good-hearted lad, and would have been an honest one had he been suffered to be so. But he had a bold spirit, and a ready hand in the fight. By that thou meanest that he did take part in the business, as thou callest it. Tis true that he killed an Ethiopian, was the reply. "'Twas in a fair fight, and the fellow had killed him else. "'Ye hear what these witness against you,' said Pilate, now addressing the prisoners. "'Thou, the chief, mayest speak first. "'Dumicus lifted his shaggy head and began to speak rapidly, and in a whining voice. "'The man hath lied, Excellency, tis all a foul lie. "'I'm a fisherman by trade, and an honest man. "'The young man here is my son.' He is a wayward lad, and hath caused me great sorrow. He hath undoubtedly done much evil. I came up to Jerusalem to endeavor to wean him from his bad companions. Twas my errand in the wine-shop of Clopas. It pained my father's heart thus to testify against mine only son, but— Thou hast said enough, said Pilate, interrupting him. Thou art undoubtedly a valuable citizen, and a sorrowing father. Tis written all over thee but we must even spare thee to entertain our Passover visitors. On Friday, Nisan, the fifteenth, thou shalt suffer with Barabbas, and in a like manner. Guard, remove the prisoner, as Dumas begin to bellow like an animal. And thou, wayward son of a righteous father, hath thou ought to say for thyself? Titus looked up into the sneering face of the man on the judgment seat then around on the hostile faces which hemmed him in. His injured head was throbbing painfully. "'Oh, Stephen!' he cried aloud. "'Oh, mother!' Pilate was thoroughly tired of the whole affair. Besides, it was nearly time for the noonday repast, and he expected guests. It was therefore the more necessary for him to have time to compose his spirit after the painful scene of the morning. With a gesture of disgust, he rose to his feet, and said sharply, Enough! This is no place for a scene. Thou shalt suffer with the others. The world will be well rid of thee. Guards, remove him, and clear the hall. Titus lay on the moldy straw of his dungeon once more. He was quiet now. He was thinking. Not of the scenes of the morning, nor the frightful doom which hung over him, but the old sweet days with Stephen on the lake, of Prisca, the only mother he had ever known, of the rosy laughing face of little Ruth, 
of the good old Benoni. And as he thought of these things, another face arose before him. Twas that of the Nazarene, Jesus, beautiful, mysterious, tender, with a love beyond all earthly love. And he fancied he again heard these words, which, light-hearted and happy, he had heeded so little. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Over and over he repeated the words aloud, and their sound seemed to soothe his tortured brain. His eyes closed after a time, and with the healing words still on his lips, he slept profoundly. And as he slept, he dreamed. He thought that he was with Stephen, and that they too were walking alone in the great and wide meadow. Twas a pleasant spot, for flowers of every form and color bloomed profusely about them, while the air was filled with the heavenly melody of a lark high above their heads. Stephen was talking, as was his wont, in his sweet, silvery voice. Doth thou remember how the Master said, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And our Father in the heavens loveth us better than he loveth the lilies, for we are his children. The Master has said it, not once, but many times. Thou art his child, Titus answered with a passionate, eager longing in his heart, but I, I know not whose child I am. Then he lifted his eyes and saw coming toward them the figure of a man clad in a raiment of a dazzling whiteness. Who is he? said Stephen, yet in his heart he well knew. Tis the master, cried Stephen joyfully as he hastened to meet him. But Titus stood still where he was, longing, yet afraid, for he knew that he had sinned. As he looked, he saw Stephen fall down at the master's feet in an ecstasy of joy. Then Jesus put forth his hand and raised him up, and the two, talking lovingly together, came towards him amidst the lilies. Then he thought that he hung his head, not daring to look again, for his sin was heavy upon him. My child. He raised his eyes slowly at the sound of the voice, and as he looked, lo, the bitterness and guilt of his heart melted away, and his soul expanded with a mighty love. Then the master, leaning forward, touched him on the brow and said, Thou too art mine. And he awoke, and it was a dream. But his eyes shone in the darkness of the dungeon, and his lips smiled. Behold, mine eyes have seen the king in his beauty, he murmured, and I am his. End of chapter 21